0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned, at the end of the program we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel chapter 1, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: Look at verse 17, we got to keep going. Then David lamented with the lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan, his son, and he told them to teach the children of Judah the song of the bow. Indeed, it is written in the book of Jasher. I'll tell you more. The beauty of Israel is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not on the streets of Ashkelon. Here's why. Lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice. Lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. O mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew nor rain upon you nor fields of offerings for the shield of the mighty is cast away there. The shield of Saul, not anointed with oil from the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty. The bow of Jonathan did not turn back and the sword of Saul did not return empty. And Saul and Jonathan were beloved and pleasant in their lives and in their death they were not divided, and they were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet with luxury, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan was slain in your high places. I'm distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been, my very, you have been very pleasant to, to me. Your love to me was wonderful. Surpassing the love of a woman, how mighty have fallen, how the mighty have fallen, and the weapons of war perished. Okay, stop right there. Give me your attention. Again, Saul and his sons have been killed in the battle against the Philistines on Mount Gilboa. Now listen, this was a sad and tragic end to the story of a man because Saul came to the throne a humble man and he left the throne a hardened man. He came to the throne a humble man and left the throne a bitter man. Verse one tells us after the death of Saul, David went back to Ziklag for two days. Now listen, at this point, David's heart is right with the Lord. Verse two tells us on day three, a man came from Gilboa, Now, this is about 100 miles. So, this guy is hoofing it. He is making about 30 miles a day. He comes to David in Ziklag. Notice, the Bible tells us, look at verse 2 again. His clothes are torn and dust is on his head. Now, listen. When the man walks up to David with his clothes torn and dust on his head, David knows exactly it's bad news because torn clothes and dust on your head meant that there was something that you were mourning that there was uh, a death that you were mourning something. David knows it's bad news. Or so verse 3, David said, where have you come from? He said, I escaped out of the camp of Israel. Verse 4, David said, how are things? How do things go? And the man answered. He said, many people have run and many have died. And Saul and Jonathan, his sons, were dead as well. And when the man said that, that probably felt like a bomb dropped on David. Are y'all hearing me? Felt like a bomb. Saul and Jonathan are dead as well. That felt like, ah. Have you ever received, like, out of nowhere, unexpectedly bad news? Like somebody died. And you don't know. This morning, I'm up. I'm at work at 5 a.m. Y'all know I get up early. I send y'all people emails at 5 to 3 o'clock in the morning. Some of y'all got emails from me at that time. Of course, you weren't awake to receive them, but you, you got it. I get up early. I like to get up early. I just do. I like to get up early. I like to come in. I like for it to be quiet. I think I can hear from God. I can hear from God before 9. <laughs> After 9, I can't hear a thing. It's like I just I just can I honestly can. I just love to come in early and I love to get in early. Well, I got here early this morning and I'm reading this text and I call Miss Elvira. Now it's like 515, 520. I call Miss Elvira, who also gets up very early, and I asked her, Was it okay to share this story with you? It was probably about I don't know, 3 a.m. Miss Elvira was about 26 years old, am I right, honey? You were 26 years old. And it's about 3 a.m. in the morning, her and her first husband, I am Miss Elvira's second husband. Her first husband and she were preparing to move to Oakland, California. About 3 a.m. in the morning, she receives a knock on the door, and when she opens the door, The sheriff's department is standing there. That's a bomb. That's a bomb. Say no more. It's almost like when David sees the man, he's got torn clothes and ashes on his head. It's like, don't tell me. And your husband's not at home. The sheriff is at the door to tell her that her first husband, his name was Fonda. Creighton, uh, had been killed in a car accident. She's 26 years old with three children, three small children. And she told me uh, this morning, actually, I didn't know this until this morning you told me. She said the first thing that came to her mind was Job 121. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. First thing came to mind. I say, you mind if I share that, honey? She goes, no, no you sure, fine, no problem. So we'll get by. And I immediately started writing this. Here is why you need to be in a Bible teaching church. This is why you need to know the word of God. This is why you need to have thy word written upon the tables of your heart. Because when something, someone, sometime something drops a bomb on you, you need to have the word written on your heart. Because you can't often go get a Bible. Somebody clap your hands and say, that's right, Pastor. You can't go get a Bible. And, and, and sometimes the shock is so severe, you, you, you can't get a Bible. But when God's word is written on your heart like that, God's word just wells up in you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. God's word will just well up in you. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's why you need to study God's word. That's why you need. Listen, if you're visiting here tonight and you, you don't go to a Bible teaching church, that's not good. I'm not talking about a church that teaches about the Bible. Huh? I'm not talking about a church that springs boards from the Bible, Well, we've been in them. You know, read a verse. You can shut the book, because the next three hours, I'm going to talk. Don't know about what, but I'm going to talk. Grandma, I'm going to go and preach to you because these people ain't listening to me. You know what I'm saying. You need to be in a church that teaches the Bible. I, I mean, verse, by, I, oh, wait, wait, clap your hands. You know, I've I've talked to many pastors and I've told them and encouraged them that, you know, you don't have to do it like, don't get me wrong, you don't need to do it like I do it. I don't have the corner on teaching the Bible. I don't have, I'm not like the, the, uh, you know, I'm a really fantastic teacher, but I mean, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not like, I don't have the corner on how it goes. But at some point in your life and in your ministry, you need to be taking people verse by verse through the scriptures for a couple of reasons. One, when a bomb is dropped on you or when life comes at you and life comes at you fast, you need to have the word of God just well up in you just like that. Am I right about it? You need to have the word of God just well up in you because it's written on the tables of your heart. You need to know God's word, not just know where a Bible is, but know the word of God and study God's word. And you need to be taking people through the scriptures so that in that day, not when, but if, not not if, but when, you stand before the Lord, you can say like Paul said, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of the word of God. If you don't teach people the whole Bible, you can't say that. You can say, well, I'm not shunned to declare unto them a lot of the counsel. Well, I'm not shunned to declare unto them most of the counsel. When you teach verse by verse, you get it all. Verse by verse is also good because it corrects the teacher. How many times have you heard me say something in the pulpit, come back a week or two later and go, you know what? I said this back then, but I kept studying. and Then I see this right here. I was wrong about that back then. It doesn't happen that often. But I was wrong about it once in 20 years. I mean, it happens. It happens to the best of us. I ain't got a problem with that. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I don't I don't honestly think, look, I can make a mistake. I'm just like you. I'm just trying to see Jesus just like you. God just called me to do this. That's all. No difference. Don't put me up there and you down here. Same requirements for you is or for me and for me, you. Amen. So I, it, it corrects you. Because just when you think you taught it right over here, then you get over here and it balances you it keeps you balanced. It keeps you balanced. It's so important to know the word of God. The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that's the truth. And David just had a bomb dropped on him. Jonathan was his best friend. We just read it. He they They had a deep relationship. And there are people who will take Uh, 2 Samuel, right about, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself, I'm just talking, look at 2 Samuel in the 26, and they'll try to make something perverted out of it, or something more than what it is, it's simply saying they had a wonderful, deep, godly, loving relationship between each other, that's all it's saying, don't make more of it than necessary, and you can twist the scriptures and torture the scriptures almost to say whatever you wanted to say. Or you can let the scriptures speak for themselves. They had a godly relationship. That's all that's saying. So Davis had a bomb dropped on him. I thought of Proverbs 7, 1 through 3. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. And keep my commands and live. And my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers and write them on the tables of your heart. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen through 20 Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine on your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall teach them to your children. Speaking of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you Get up. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates talking about the word of God. Well, listen, David receives this news. It hit him like a bomb. Jonathan was his best friend, and now he's dead. Saul is dead, and Israel is defeated. Look at verse 5 of chapter 1, second Samuel. David said to the young man, how do you know this? Are you sure? Verse 6, the young man said, as it happened by chance, I happened to be on Mount Gilboa. And there was Saul leaning on his spear, and the chariots and the horsemen followed him. Verse 7, he goes on to say, Saul saw me and called me over. Verse 8, he says, Saul asked who I was, so I told him that I was an Amalekite. And then the man said in verse 9, Saul said, please stand over me, this man says, Saul said, and kill me because I'm too much, in, too much pain to be alive, so I want you to kill me. The man said in verse 10, he stood over Saul and killed him because he was sure that he could not live after this type of wound from the battle. Then he said, he took the crown. Y'all still follow me? He took the crown. He took the bracelet. And he said, David, here they are. Now, listen, there's much, much speculation around this verse. This man claims. Stay with me. I need you to turn your brain on right here. This man claims. To have mercifully killed Saul after he was mortally wounded. Although, I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 31. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 31. Just like one page back for most of us. 1 Samuel chapter 31. I need you to stay with me so you can understand this. Okay? 1 Samuel chapter 31. And look at verse uh, 3 and 4. First Samuel 31, three and four, the battle became fierce against Saul. The archers hit him and was severely wounded by the archers. And then Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and thrust me through with it. Lest these uncircumcised men come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was greatly wizened. Therefore, Saul took a sword and fell on it. And when his armor bearers saw that Saul was what, saints? He also fell on the sword, and he died with him. You see that? So Saul is hit in battle. He's severely wounded. He knew at this point that the battle was over, so he asked his armor bearer to kill him. The armor bearer wouldn't do it. Saul fell on the sword and killed himself, so the Philistines wouldn't get him. Now, this is... Is a very, are y'all picking that up? This is very, very different from what the Amalekite is telling David. Now there are two possibilities here. One seems likely the other possible. The first possibility is the battle was heated. Saul knew he wouldn't survive. So he takes the sword, puts it by his heart and fell on it. And it missed and he's still alive. And when the young Amalekite comes by and says, Saul says, hey, come here. I want you to kill me because I don't want to be captured and abused by the Philistines. That's a possibility. And if that is true, and if that is what happened, it would be really ironic. Because you remember in 1 Samuel, I'm going to tell you this quickly because I've told you this probably four times now in Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, God told Samuel to tell Saul to kill all the Amalekites, to utterly destroy them all. All don't leave man, woman, uh, boy, girl, ox, sheep, camel, goldfish, donkey, kill everything. Wipe them out completely and don't leave a trace. And the reason was because of how the Amalekites treated Israel when they were leaving Egypt 400 years before First Samuel. God doesn't forget. Saul killed the Amalekite, but spared king, what's his name, y'all? You know that, and the best stuff. We talked about Saul and his partial obedience. Partial obedience is complete disobedience. So Saul destroys the Amalekites and he saves the king. If the boy is telling David the truth, then we can learn something. The fact that Saul didn't fully obey God's word and kill the Amalekites, obviously somewhere, watch this, the Amalekites continue to breed. That's why this boy is still alive. And now... Because Saul didn't kill the Amalekites, the Amalekites killed him. And remember, I told you that the Amalekites, if you don't have it written down, you must write this down. The Amalekites represent the flesh. They represent the flesh. We talked about it. If you don't kill the flesh, the flesh will kill you. If you don't destroy the flesh, the flesh will destroy you. Romans tells us mortify the deeds of the flesh. Over and over in scripture, we're told to mortify the deeds, not reform it. Don't rehab it. Don't help it. Kill it. Mortify the deeds of the flesh. The Bible is very clear about that. So this act of disobedience by Saul happened 25 years before this chapter. The other possibility is the man is lying. Which seems to be the case. I don't think that he knows David isn't real cool with the Malachites these days. Somebody say amen. So he tells David when he got to the battlefield, he saw Saul, which actually wasn't hard to do. Because there was not many seven footers on the battlefield that those days. Saul was seven feet tall, you know that. Good looking seven feet tall. You find him laying around everywhere. So easiest spot. He says, I couldn't live. So I finished him off. He couldn't live. So I finished him off and bought the crown to you. The only problem with this man's story is first Samuel 31 five. That tells us when the armor bearers saw that Saul was what saints dead. Those are two different stories. When he saw that Saul was dead, that he fell on his sword and died. Now, chapter 31, look at verse 6 in First Samuel. Saul and his three sons and his armor bearer died the same day. And one more thing. Go with me to 2 Samuel in chapter 4. Look at chapter 4. Okay, I'm just trying to put these possibilities out there for you. And you can choose whichever you want. I'm not going to argue about it, so don't ask me after service. Second hey, Samuel chapter four, and then look at verse 10. When someone told me saying, look, this is David writing. When someone told me saying, look, Saul is dead, thinking to have bought good news, I arrested him and had him executed in Ziklag, talking about this situation, the one who thought I would give him a reward for his news. So you've got two different stories. One story, Saul killed himself because he knew he wouldn't survive on the battlefield. The other story, the Amalekite killed Saul and realized Saul wouldn't survive. Here's what I believe. I believe the word of God. The word of God is not the man's story. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? The word of God is not the man's story. The man's story is the word of God telling us what happened. That's not the, that's not the word of God. It's just telling us recording what happened and what he said, but it's not God's word. First Samuel 31 four tells us, which is God's word that Saul fell on the sword on the battlefield and died. Then obviously before the Philistines got there, the Amalekite gets to Saul, takes the bracelet and the crown, brings it to David, expecting David would be happy about it. But the reaction from David was different than the man expected. So simply, I believe the Amalekite is lying to David. So then the question, why? Why would he do that? Because, here's why I think. Because he knew Saul and David were enemies. Everybody knew that Saul and David were enemies. 1 Samuel 25 through 27, David went to Gath and stayed with Achish. And all the Philistine countries knew Saul and David were enemies. Chapter 25, don't you remember? In verse 10, uh, um, um, Abigail and Nabal. Nabal remember Nabal name means fool Nabal insinuated that David was running away from Saul Abigail and Nabal knew Saul and David were enemies and they lived all the way down as far as the Sinai Peninsula the Bible tells us so this Amalekite believed that there was bad blood between Saul and David he knew Saul despised David and made his life a living hell. Saul tried to kill David several times. You know that. Saul took David from his family, his home, his career, security. Saul persecuted David without a reason. David lost everything because of Saul. He, he, he was run out of the country because of Saul. Public enemy number one because of Saul. David had been running from Saul for more than 10 years of his life. And yet now David mourns over Saul and Jonathan. And look at verse 11 it tells us that David took his clothes and tore them and so did all the men. Then you would think David would have rejoiced. Because, I mean, let's get real. Let's keep it honest. Let's keep it 100. If somebody does you wrong and they've been doing you dirty for 10 years, talk about you on Facebook, <laughs> blowing you up, on Instagram and and, been there, and then you hear something happen to them the natural inclination of the flesh I tell the truth you're in church the natural inclination of the flesh is good they got a taste of their own medicine that's the natural human response
0: you have been listening to Salt and Light a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch